continues. Good morning, everyone. You guys are beautiful. What an incredible day today. Beautiful front row. Thank you for sitting on the front row. I love my front row. Give my two. Oh, I got three in the front row. Let's give my three front row buddies a okay, hand. They each paid a hundred bucks a piece to set up here. No, just kidding. Ringside. <laughs> Well, we're so honored that you're with us today. What a great time of worship. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in our midst. It's just been a wonderful, wonderful week here at City Church. Uh, you saw our young people. That's our next building that you saw uh, young uh, Kelly Incarciona uh, at there. Not just kidding. That is a nice building there. That's up Norman Beach there. That's at Pastor Jim Rayleigh's church. But uh, we had over 40-some young people compete in a program called Fine Arts. There were over 3,000 uh, high school students from around this area, from around Central Florida and South Florida, and over 3,000 competed in worship music and preaching and all kinds of different fine arts. And uh, one of our young men placed first place in piano solo or instrumental solo, John Sivitz. I'm going to put his picture. I know it's a little it's an Instagram picture there, but give Jonathan a great big hand. He is a, he is a professional he's a professional pianist he's already getting played to play, play professionally concert piano music and he's a very very talented young man and then uh, we also had our children's ministry uh, they are involved in a program called Junior Bible Quiz and uh, we have one of the very best there's three thousand teams in America we have one of the top ten teams right here at City Church we have the number one quizzer right out of our own church in the whole country. And they just won Southeast Regionals, and they're on their way to Nationals. Let's give our junior Bible quizzers a great big hand. So we have people all over the place this weekend, and I am so grateful for what the Lord is doing. We have a world-class ministry here of discipleship to your students, to your children, and to your young people. And I am grateful for the team that the Lord has brought here. Everyone okay this morning? Okay. Did you bring your Bibles? Okay. If you didn't bring your Bible, we are using the story. You can also follow along in the story. This is the Bible. It's just left out some of the other stories, and, and it's capsulized the 31 major stories of the Bible that talk about God's plan of redemption. And today, if you brought your story, the book, uh, you can turn to page 59. If not, you can turn to Exodus chapter 19, and I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Exodus chapter 19, and we're going to stand together as we read God's Word. Exodus chapter 19, we're going to begin with verse number 1. Everyone got it? Good. On the, first day of the, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephtim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then of all the nations, you will be my treasure possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the Israel, the elders of the people, and set before them the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. I want you to look at verse number 8. I want us to read this verse out loud together. The people all responded together. 
We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answers back to the Lord. Here's my one big idea. Here's the one thing that I want you to walk away with today. God desires to dwell with and bless his people forever. God desires to dwell with and bless his people forever. This morning, my pastoral prayer, we're going to pray for another church in our community, Lifeway Community Church, which has just moved over here in the corner of 25th and Sanford Avenue. Their pastor is Gerald Brown. They're about a year older than we are. I remember I actually visited his church when we first moved to Central Florida. He was meeting in the old movie theater here in Lake Mary. And uh, we're going to pray for this community. We're going to write him a note this week and give him a little offering as they just purchased a new building. And we're going to bless them. But I want you to join with me as we pray for the Lifeway Community Church. Father, we thank you today that you're a God who desires to dwell with us and to bless us. Thank you for the reading of your word today that stirs our heart. God, I ask, Lord, that you'll give every person here an ear to hear. God, that you will give them the ability not just to hear physically, but to hear spiritually. God, your love is amazing. We've already declared it today. But I pray for that understanding to be revealed to our hearts. And God, I thank you today for Lifeway Community Church, this other church in our community that's presenting your gospel, that's telling people about the name of your son, Jesus. And God, I lift this pastor and this congregation before you. I pray great blessing over them. We thank you today, God, that you are good and that you have led them into their next step and provision for this facility. Now, God, I pray that you will cause them to increase and to grow and their impact in the Sanford community. God, will be greater than they've ever known. And Lord, I ask for myself today that you will help me to communicate this message of truth that you desire to dwell with your people and to bless them forever. God, I ask this in your wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. I just want to give you a quick journey. We're in chapter number five and a new, a new covenant, a new covenant, new commands. New covenant, new commands. You'll follow right along in your story. It starts in page 59. It's about 12 pages long. You can follow along in the book. But I, I want to just kind of give you a quick recap. Can we do that real quick? Just kind of bring you up to date where we're at. We started in the beginning. Everyone say the beginning. God said. God just said. And it all happened. God spoke and bang, everything took place. But in the very beginning, we see the heart of God. In the very beginning, God created man in his image to have a relationship with him. So we see this act of God, God's kindness and creation. and Everything that God made was for the enjoyment of man. And then something entered into that world, into that, into that relationship, to that presence, that, that dwelling with God. And that something was sin. The heart of man rebelled against God. And then we see God and his sovereignty and plan. God calls a man. Hundreds of years later, a man by the name of Abram. Abraham is special in the Bible because Abram is the father of all faith. In Genesis chapter 12, when God comes to Abram, he says these words. He says, Abram, I will bless you. I will bless you. Oh, do you know today God wants to bless you? I will bless you and make your name great. And the Bible says that Abraham believed. We are here today as a result of one man's faith. One man was willing to. To believe God. And so we move from the life of Abraham. We move to a man by the name of Joseph. 400 years later, we see this man, Joseph. He, he, he grows up with a bunch of brothers. And he's got a big mouth. But he's got a big dream. And his big mouth gets him in trouble. And his brothers sell him. Before they sell him, they, they throw him into a pit. And then they sell him into slavery. 
And there in slavery, he begins to succeed because the hand of God is upon him. The dream that God gave him that he would be a great person begins to come to fruition even when he is in prison. And there in prison, God blesses him and he finds himself as the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And what we learn from his life is that Joseph was a man of trust. That no matter what he was walking through, no matter what he was going through in his life, he trusted that God wanted to bless him. That God was for him. And then after Joseph, we found ourselves in, in, uh, going to uh, the, the, almost the end of the book, to Jesus. Because we find ourselves at, in Palm Sunday, and we find ourselves at Good Friday and Resurrection Weekend. And God showed himself in a powerful way here as we talked about the resurrection of Christ. And, and we presented the message of the gospel to over 600, 1,643 people in six services on this campus. Come on, give God a big hand. And we've, then we backtracked, and Pastor Glenn came, and he talked to us about Moses being the deliverer, how God had raised up a man who would have faith, and we see God's plan of redemption continue through the life of Moses. And the children of Israel who had been held in slavery for 400 years, God leads them out and all the way across the Red Sea. See, God's promises for you is that he will take you out. And we find ourselves here in the life of Moses in chapter 5. We find new commands and new covenants. You know, I tell you all that because the fact is today, God's presence is here. Because he's in me, and he's in those who believe. I remember the very first time I really felt the presence of my mom. You ever go back in your mind and try to remember, like, your first recollection of your, one of your parents? You ever do that? Anybody ever try to, like, and sometimes, you know, you kind of think maybe you have a recollection, but it's actually a picture that you saw, and it kind of takes your mind back. But, but I have an experience. I have my very first remembrance of my mom and her presence in my life. There is no picture to show this story. It's just something that happened. I was about two years of age, and my mom was at my godmother's house. And, and this was back in the day, so this was a couple of years ago. Uh, they used to make these barrettes. That's what a, the girls were in their hair, barrettes, right? And it, my mom had this big, I still remember the color. I mean, that's what kind of impression this has left on my mind. <laughs> Forty-eight years later, I can still remember the color of this barrette. It was aqua turquoise. It was a big old thing. Remember the girls used to wear their hair up, you know, and, and uh, they'd straighten it out and they'd had it up. My mom had this grippy old barrette that she'd wear in the back of her head. It was an aqua turquoise. And, and they weren't made in China back then. I don't know where they were made. And they weren't made out of plastic, but they were made out of metal. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, somehow I got a hold of this. And, and uh, you know, today everyone's very safety conscious about the children. We don't want our children. And so we got these little wall plug-ins everywhere, little plastic wall plug-ins. But back in the day, there were no safety nets like that for little kids. It just didn't, yeah, you're a kid, you exist, but don't, don't touch that. You might get hurt kind of thing, you know. And, and I took that barrette, and I was playing around with it, and, and I, I was over by the bed. And, and I remember thinking, I wonder what would happen. I mean, I wonder what happened if I stuck this barrette into the wall. <laughs> I go ahead and did it. <laughs> I mean, at two years old, I was stuck on stupid. You know, I just, I put that barrette in there, and there was a flash, a bolt of lightning that came flying out of that socket. And I mean, I began to scream, and the spark flew all the way up the wall. I mean, it left a black mark on the wall. And I remember my mom coming in, grabbing me, and holding me. And I remember her presence presence. There's something powerful. Isn't that power? You know, you remember those moments. The fact is today, 
the whole point of God's commands, the whole point of God giving us commands is because the commands are to protect us with his presence. God loves you today. God loves you today. In Exodus chapter 19, what I want you to see here is that God initiated a relationship with the people of Israel. God initiated this thing. See, because God loves. And you're his child. You're created in, in his image. You're not an accident today. God initiated this relationship. And I, I want you to see something in Exodus 19, verses 4 and 5. I call this God's part, our part. But in verse number 4, I want you to see what God says to them. God says to Moses, you yourself have seen what I did to Egypt. You yourself saw how I did this. You saw it, Moses. You saw what I did. I want to say God's part. Come on, God's part. God delivered them from Egypt. And how I carried you on the wings of eagles. Everyone say God's part. Do you remember reading that poem at some time in your life, Footprints in the Sand? Remember that poem? You know, it's kind of, maybe it's kind of cheesy. Depends on what you're walking through at the moment. But the fact is, is that the fact is that many times in your life, you wonder how you made it. How did I get through that? You know, that was really, but I'm still here. But God, he carried you on eagle's wings. And then God says, listen, listen, I brought you to myself. You didn't bring yourself to God. I didn't save myself. You can't save yourself. You needed a savior. And God, by his spirit, began to draw you. Everyone say God's part. That's God's part. But then you have your part. This is verse number five. I want you to see this. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then of all the nations you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. God initiated this relationship of faith and love. That's his part. But our part is to do what God has asked us to do. God's, God's part is to draw. God's part is to save. God's part is to deliver. God's part is to go before you. But our part is to do what he's asked us to do. And this whole command, these whole commands that we're going to look at in just a moment, they're based out of a heart of love. Because God is a good father. Jesus said, if you're being an earthly father, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more does your Heavenly Father desire to give good things to those who love Him? God, God loves to bless. But God also knows what's best in our life. God made us. He created us. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He sees every detail of your life. He knows everything about you. Everything that happens in your life filters through the Father's eye of love. Whether I understand it or not. Whether I understand why I'm walking through what I'm walking through right now, I know that God loves me. And that God has my best in mind. You see, as a parent, you initiated your relationship with your child. You came together, husband and wife, and you produced a child. You initiated that. Your child came into the world. Your child didn't reach out to you in love. You reached out to your child in love. You changed their diaper. You fed them a bottle. You took them to the doctor. See, that's what a parent does. A parent initiates the love. And that's what God has done for you and I. You see, when we look at God, when we look at God has, has done, we, we, have to, we have to ask ourselves, how do we go forward in life? Because our world, you know, has all kinds of ways, all kinds of plans 
all kinds of, of things that they say that people should live and how they should do life. Dr. Hill, Dr. Phil, yeah, Dr. Hill, and Dr. Phil has a philosophy, and Pastor Oprah has a philosophy, and, and, and you know, all these different people have a philosophy of how you should do life. But what does God say? What does God say? How do you go forward in life? Well, in Exodus chapter 20, God lays down some words. Everyone say words. We call these the commands or rules. But in the Hebrew, they're actually ten. Each line is actually ten words. And these rules are given by a perfect Heavenly Father who knows what's best for you. And when you look at these commands of God, I, I have a lovely little uh, uh, styrofoam tablet. <laughs> We're not going to break them because I have one more service to go through today. So we're going to leave these up there. But, but God gave these commands, and we first see that they're vertical. I mean, we first see that vertical, right? Help me out here. I'm a little dyslexia. Uh, if we first see the first four commands have to do with our relationship with God, and the next six commands have to do with our relationship with others. When we look at these, these rules that God gave, and these, these, principles, these principles are for our protection. And it's not principles over presence. It's because we follow his principles. We experience blessing in our life. And when we experience the blessing of God in our life, we sense his presence. It's never principle over presence. It's all about his presence. It's all, all about protecting what God wants to do in our life. And we see these first commands. I want you to see the very first one. The very first thing that God tells them. He says, listen, listen. Have no other gods. I'm only I'm the only God. You shall have no other gods before me. Everyone say no other gods. I mean, there, first of all, there is no other God. Our God, our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who raised His Son Jesus from the dead, our God Jesus, the Messiah, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who has given us His Spirit. He's God. He's revealed the triunity of his nature and of his personality, of his person, and who he is. Because he loves us. And he says, God, there's, guys, there's no other gods. I mean, don't go, don't, you're not going to find it in the New Age movement. You're not going to find it trying to you know, pursue wealth. You're not going to find it trying to, in a relationship. You're not going to find it in some other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So the fact is that there are no other gods. God says, don't have another god. The second thing, he says, hey, guys, no idols. Don't fashion. Don't make anything and bow down and worship it. Well, we don't do that in our culture today. Oh, but we have idols. You know, there were some producers, some scouts that were up in Ormond Beach at one of our, at our Christian events this last week, and they were from a program called American Idol. How about that? They were, there were some people from The Voice. They were looking for new talent. And they go to these big kind of events. They go to these Christian events. And if you actually ever watch The Voice or some of these programs, you'll see a lot of these young people on there come out of Christian homes. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. Our culture, we are full of idolatry. We've made sports an idolatry. We, we've made all kinds of things. But the fact is there are idols in our own heart. There are idols in our own heart. Anything that we spend more time anything that we spend more resources and more money on and more devotion to than God, you can become an idol in your life. I mean, your family can become an idol. I, 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 I had someone in my office last night. She spent six years in prison. Her husband was sitting across the room from me. And she said, I had made my husband an idol. 
Those are her words. Those weren't mine. I elevated my husband and I made him an idol in my life. Because of that, she spent six years in jail. Wow. Listen, God says, don't make any idols. It'll mess you up. The third thing that God says is, don't misuse, don't misuse my name. Don't be flippant about my name. I'm not just the big guy up in the sky. You know, I, I'm, don't just flippantly, oh my gee. Don't just flippantly use my name. My name is holy. Don't damn people with my name. Don't curse with my name. Don't use my name in that way. If you're going to use the name of God, use the name of God to bring healing. Use the name of God to bring life. When you speak the name of Jesus, speak it so that demons flee. When you speak the name of Jesus, speak it so that people are encouraged. People are built up. People know that you love them. When you speak the name of Jesus, speak it a blessing. I love what Pastor Glenn did when he prayed blessing over our city. So many people, they wring their hand and they curse the politicians and they curse the generation that we live in. And we say, no, no, no. We bless. We don't damn our generation. We bless our generation. We are people of blessing. And we bless them in the name of God. Everyone said amen. That was all free. That was really good. Number four. Take a day off of work for worship. I'm going to go through these quick. But just, guys, have a Sabbath. Have a day of rest where you can worship God. You know, this whole thing about going to church every Sunday and it gets religious and it can become really legalistic really quick if your heart isn't right. If you don't understand that God has given you a day to rest so that you can be recreated and restrengthened and refueled. There's something powerful about corporate worship. You felt it this morning as you were lifting your voice. We were singing something about a sloppy wet kiss. I don't even know what that means. But we were singing that in a song. But I could still feel it. Why? We were worshiping God in one accord, one heart. The presence of Jesus was here. God created you to be a worshiper. Worshiper. God created you for worship. And God says, listen, honor your parents. This is my favorite one right here. <laughs> okay, boys, honor your parents. Honor your dad. Paul said, this is the first command with a promise. Mark Twain, I love what he said about father. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man in the room. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. (laughs) Honor your parents. Listen, you're 50 years old. You're still to honor your parents. It doesn't mean you obey everything. But you honor them. You serve them. You take care of them. I had to take care of my parents as they become sick and they weren't able to pay their bills. I had to do my part in honoring my parents because I want to live a long life. Everyone said amen. Honor your parents. Then God says, listen, so the the first four are this vertical relationship. And now we see how God wants to live with others. How God wants to act out our life with other people. Don't commit murder. Don't murder. You know, sometimes we think, well, I would never kill anybody. And, hey, listen, you know, there are people that have done horrendous things. But the Gospels take murder farther than just actually physically killing someone. The Gospels take, don't hate someone from your heart. John says that if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. Wow. Wow. I mean, when you start talking hate and venomous speech... Damning people. There's no way the love of God is in that. So, Gospels, the good news, the new covenant takes it farther. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. This has to do with purity in every sexual relationship. Our culture tries to redefine purity in sexual relationships, but God lays it out very, very clear. 
God lays it out that sexuality, human sexuality, is for a man and a woman to come together as one flesh and to become married and to become one. And that's the only place that sexual purity, it's the only place that sexual intimacy is to exist in that relationship. Anything outside of that, God says, is off limits. You know, God's not a cosmic killjoy trying to rob somebody's party. God wants to protect you. God wants to keep you from the broken heart that happens when a person, a man, from one woman to another one to another woman, a woman from one man to another man. The brokenness of the heart and the relationship. God wants to protect people from sexually transmitted diseases, which our culture never talks about, which are on the rampant in every age group in America. The culture never wants to talk about that today. There are consequences today. Don't commit adultery. Number eight, don't steal, don't steal what doesn't belong to you. Practice honesty in all your relationships. Don't steal from your boss at work. Well, I would never steal. Well, did you fudge on your time card this week? You know, you're supposed to clock in at a certain time and you clocked in 15 minutes earlier. Or you clocked in, you clocked, you, you waited to clock out, you went and did something else and you just cheated a little on your time card. God says don't do that. If it doesn't belong to you, don't take it. The cashier accidentally hands you back a $10 bill and, and your bill was only $5 and she gave you $10 back. And when you slip that into your pocket, you know what that's called? Stealing. You know God sees it. Don't do that. Don't lie. Don't lie to others. Don't bear false witness and be content. God gives all these commands. God lays these things out. There's a vertical relationship with Him and this horizontal relationship with others. Why? Because He loves us. He wants you to know that these precepts and these commands are to protect you because God wants to live with you. You've got a problem. I have a problem. I have a human nature. It's called sin. And I struggle. I begin to read through these commands and I begin to think in depth about some of these commands. I thought, I've done that. I've looked when I shouldn't have looked. I took something that didn't belong to me. I said something about a person that I shouldn't have said. The fact is, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God told Moses, these commands are not too hard. They're not too burdensome. But why are they so difficult for you and I? Because when God laid these out, what God wanted you to see is that you couldn't do this on your own. This wasn't just about laying out a legalistic formula. If I do these ten things, then I'm going to be okay with God. No, 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 no. That's not what this is about. This is about a relationship. This is about understanding that God wants to live. God wants to dwell. God wants to be with you. He wants to be your Father. The fact is, the people said, Lord, we'll do everything you said. Everything. You're a parent today. You have rules in your house. One of the rules in our house is don't eat anything out of the toilet. <laughs> you know why we had to put that rule? <laughs> we had to put that rule because that happened in our home. I mean, you have rules. And, and, and the rules that you put down, sometimes your kids won't completely understand why God, uh, uh, why God says those things. We don't complete, your children won't completely understand why you have certain boundaries. But you want the best for them. You want to protect them. You want to keep them. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can keep the law perfectly. As a matter of fact, while God was giving these commands, you know what the children of Israel doing? The children of Israel were committing sexual immorality and dancing around a golden calf that they had made just a little while earlier. Moses goes up into the mountain. God's giving them these commands. 
40 days. He's gone. The people, hey, where's Moses? We need a new leader. They got his brother Aaron. Aaron, the man of God. Aaron, the man who had spoke for Moses, for God, to Pharaoh. Gets all the people together. They said, hey, we want to worship something. He goes, all right, well, give me all your gold. And, and they bring some gold. And he throws it in the fire. And wham, shazam, a calf comes out. And the Bible says the people start to get drunk and dance around and do the burning sun thing out in Nevada someplace and do all kinds of crazy stuff at the beach. And they're doing all this wild and crazy stuff. It's incredible. God sends Moses back down. He says, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. It just, I put this in the fire and just come out and I don't know how it happened. The heart of humans. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Our bent is to resist these commands. That's the natural man. That's the natural man. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we needed the mercy and the grace of God. And so what does God do? God sends a deliverer by the name of Moses. And in Exodus chapter 32, you can read it for yourself. That Moses, he sees the people. His heart is broken. And God's judgment, God's wrath is about to come down. And Moses stands says, God, take my life. God, take my life. But spare the people. And see, folks, that's what happened for you and I 2,000 years ago. The wrath of God was against my sin. I violated these commands. I violated the laws of God. I disobeyed Him. And the fact is, the wrath of God, because of my sin, was upon me. There was this man named Jesus. He, he lived a perfect life. He was the perfect, sinless sacrifice. And he said, Father, take my life. Take my life. And there on the cross, he yelled out, it is finished. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. You see, Moses interceded for the people. He stood in the gap. And Jesus stood in the gap for you and I. Because God wants a place to dwell. God wants the people to dwell in. This whole thing, all these commands, the 639 commands of the Old Testament, the the ten words of God, the ten words of God were spoken because God wanted a relationship with people. An earthly problem begged for a heavenly solution. God desires to have a relationship with you. God had this thing. So He told them in Exodus 25, told Moses, he said, I want you to make a tent. In that tent, I'm, I'm going to dwell there. That tent, I'm going to dwell there. You're, you're going to have the tent broke up into three compartments. The outer part is the, the outer part of it is where the preparation takes place. And then there's the inner court where there's the furniture, where the priests go in and they prepare themselves to go into the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy of Holies, there's an altar. And on the altar, the blood would be shed. There was a box, an acacia box, covered in gold, with two cherubim. Have you ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? You kind of got a picture of what it looks like. And inside of that ark, there was a pot, a pot of manna representing the provision of God. The provision of God. There was Aaron's bud representing the protection of God. And then there were the tablets, the laws, the words of God, the words that brought life in that place. And God dwelt. And God would lead them. God would speak to them. God would guide them. God would direct them through that tent because it was there that God dwelt in that time. God would come. God would speak. The Bible says, I will speak to you 
When I tell you to move, I tell you to move. You'll have a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day that will direct you. The presence of God was with them. He was in their midst. But they didn't have access yet. They didn't have access because at that time, there was only one who had access. He was the high priest. He would go into, into that place, the Holy of Holies, to make sacrifice for the forgiveness of the people. See, God had a plan from the very beginning. God's plan. God's plan was to dwell with His people. See, God guided them. God directed them. But when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says that in the temple, the veil was torn. And now we all have access. Paul the Apostle, when he was preaching, he says, God does not dwell in the buildings made with the hands of men. He now dwells in you and I. He said, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Here's the, thought, here's the, here's the reality today for you and I, folks. That the presence of God, the Spirit of God, no longer is in a building made in the hands of men, but now is in the building that He's made with His own hands. That's you and I. Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. Paul the Apostle tells the church at Rome, he says, listen, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. God lives in you. The moment you surrender your life to Christ, the moment you respond to His initiation of love, God's Spirit comes and He dwells in you. So the... The Old Testament was a type. These were all examples of what Jesus Christ would do. But in order for us to have a relationship, in order for there to have a relationship, there had to be the shedding of blood. This is probably the most difficult part of the Bible. When you read through the Old Testament story, you come to a book called Leviticus. And Leviticus is all about the sacrifice. All about the sacrifice. The shedding of blood. It is a bloody book. In this book, we see the command of God. Hebrews says it like this. Even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, branches of hyssop, and he sprinkled the scroll and all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So you had a sin nature that separated you from God. You had a sin nature that kept you from dwelling in the presence of God. All of us do. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of His grace. And that's what the cross is all about. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is about Jesus, the perfect, the perfect sacrifice, shedding his blood for you and I so that we could live, so that we can dwell, so that we can experience the blessing and the presence of God forever and ever. Listen to this verse. The Bible says, unlike those other high priests, Jesus did not need to offer sacrifices every day. He did this for their sins once. He did this for their sins and for the sins of the people. Jesus did this once and for all when He offered Himself as a sacrifice for the people's sins. Here's the deal, guys. This thing is about grace today. God's riches 
at Christ's expense. The reason you can have the blessing of God, the reason you can experience the presence of God in a worship service, the reason that you, a Gentile, can be called a child of God is because of what Christ did on the cross. Ephesians chapter 1 says it like this. He says, listen, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of His grace. Is there somebody going to play the keyboards? Can I have somebody come up and play the keyboards? That's what I want you to take away. Here's what I want you to take away today. God dwells with you. God dwells with you. You're the place where God dwells. It's not in a building. There's nothing sacred about a building. There's nothing sacred. Four of us can go out camping. We start to worship. And we start to worship. The presence of God is there. You know why? Because God's dwelling with us. You get in your car. And you leave and you go home. You take the presence of God with you. Because God dwells with you. God loves you. All these things that God wrote were to protect you. All these words of God are about protecting His presence in your life. The blessings of God, the favor of the Lord. He's a perfect Father. He doesn't want you to experience pain unnecessarily. The presence of God today is here. The presence of God is here in us. The Spirit of Christ. And the way that we do this today, the way that we do this, Jesus said, all these commands, all these laws are summed up in these two things. To love the Lord your God. If you don't, can't remember all the, I can't, you know, if I put a gun to your head and say, okay, quote the Ten Commandments really quite quick, how many people would be able to do it? <laughs> Most, oh, well, let me think. Don't, don't lie. Don't, don't cheat. Don't, yeah. We, you know, we get a few of them. You only have to remember two. Love God. Love God with all your heart. And love people as yourself. Love God with all your heart. Everyone say, love God with all my heart and love people the way I love myself. That's it. You do that, you're good. You do that, you can have a confidence there. First John says, this is the confidence that we have in Him. And if we ask anything in His name, we'll do it. We have confidence in God. We have confidence because our lives are right. I began to look at these commands this week as I was preparing this message, and I said, God, I break these. I need His grace. You need His grace. I've broken God's commands. I've sinned. You have sinned. We're all rascals. We all need a Savior. We all need the cross. We all need a fresh reality that the presence of God is with us. The Spirit of God is in us. You're not powerless any longer. You're a child of God. You're not a victim today. Come on, you're not a victim. You're going through stuff, so am I. I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. I'm a champion. The Spirit of Christ is in me. And greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. God's Spirit lives and dwells in you. God loves you today. I want you to close your eyes. What's God saying to you today? Is there a command that you've broken? Is there a sin that you need to confess? Is there there something in your life right now that you know, that you know God spoke to you about and has kept you? It's kept you from really having confidence in His presence. 
It's kept you from really having confidence in Him. You can deal with it today. He loves you. That's what grace is about. That's what forgiveness is about. That's what the mercy of God is about. And it's new every day. Worship team is coming. I was just, and this morning I was worshiping and I just felt really, really in my heart, I felt that there was someone here, at least one person. You really, I mean, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about praying a prayer and accepting Christ. I'm talking about really in your heart of hearts, knowing that the Father loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've messed up, you really struggle with knowing that you're accepted by God, that you're loved by Him, just the way you are. He loved them just the way they were. He called them. Moses was a broken man. He had committed murder. God came to him and appeared to him. God loved him. I don't care what, I'm not talking about your past. I'm talking about this moment. You're not really sure that God loves you. You're here today when I count to three. Can you raise your hand? One, two, three. Anyone in this room? Come on right now. See that hand. Anyone else? See that hand. Anyone else? See that hand. All right. I want everyone to keep your eyes closed. Christians, pray. If you raise your hand, can you just look at me real quick? Because I want to tell you something. That was me. That was me. I'd been a Christian. I'd been a Christian. I was going to church. But I really didn't know in my heart of hearts that God loved me. I want you to know that He loves you. He really loves you. You're going to change. But you're not going to change yourself. He's going to do it. His grace is available for you today. I want us just to all pray together. Can we just pray together this morning? All of us in this room, God's spoken to us. There's something in our life that needs to be changed. We need His grace and forgiveness. Can we all just say this prayer? Lord Jesus, I admit today that I've broken Your commands. But I believe today that Your blood was shed from Calvary's tree just for me. I receive Your grace. I receive Your forgiveness. I receive Your strength and the cleansing of my heart. I ask You now, Lord, to fill me with Your Spirit to leave this place changed by your grace and by your love in your wonderful name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a great